Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ash's Mega Slay History Podcast. Today, um, this is focused on the Edexcel A level spec. Um, we are doing Tudors as the breadth study, not the depth study, the breadth study. Um, and we are going to start right at the beginning with good old Henry the Seventh or Henners, whatever you want to call him, whatever you want. Um, the goal of this podcast is mostly for my revision, but if anyone else listens to it, hey. Um, but this is me kind of explaining things in my own way. So I'm going to use a lot of like colloquial language, but ultimately you're going to get the info. So get it. So let's begin. I don't really think I've got anything else more to say about that. So Henry VII was born on the 28th of January in 1457. He is the son of Lady Margaret Beaufort and Edmund Tudor. And his royal claim to the throne is rather weak. So Henry's grandfather, he was called Owen, was in Henry V's court. And honestly, he kind of slayed. That's all that I wrote on my notes. I We really don't. You're not ever going to say this in an essay. Um, but he had a secret affair with Henry V's widow. Um, and that made Henry VII's father Edmund. So to recap, Henry's grandfather had a secret affair with Henry V's widow. They had child, Henry VII's father, Edmund. Um, but his actual claim to the throne... So when he was, like, chosen by the House of Lancaster, that actual claim came from his mother, Lady Margaret Beaufort. Um, this wasn't really a legitimate claim because of, like, misogyny. So any claims that descend through women just, like, aren't viewed as valid as claims that descend through men. So obviously that was a little bit problematic, but... um. The actual claim came from John of Gaunt. So Lady Margaret Beaufort, Henry VII's mother, was the great-granddaughter of John of Gaunt. So, you know, very, very tenuous claim. He's got a little bit on both sides. But, you know, when he actually popped up at Bosworth, uh, Richard III, I'm going to call him Ricky... Okay, Ricky was a little bit gagged because, like, his te his claim was so tenuous. He's just, like, this random dude and he just kind of showed up. And that has a lot... That influenced a lot of the way that he kind of governed and he did things. So, Henry was raised by his uncle because poor old Edmund, he died three months before he was born, so... Um, Jasper Tudor, his uncle, honestly, isn't Jasper a really hot name? I feel like, I feel like I would go out with somebody called Jasper. But, um, basically, they were, like, in exile together for some reason. Um, so Jasper, like, 
roped Henry into this because he was taking care of him. So they were in exile together. Um, Henry lived in Brittany for 14 years, which is a reason why he kind of liked to protect Brit- Brittany. There were also a lot of other reasons, which we'll get into in a later episode, but any policy like that has to do with Brittany, that's one of the reasons why. Um, so how does all of this random information impact anything? What does this have to do with the price of lemons? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, one thing you could say in an essay is that Henry VII was not raised to be a king. He was barely like, not even nobility, you know, he was not built for this. He was some random Joe off the street, okay? And this means that when he actually got to being king, a everyone else was a bit gagged. They were like, who are you? Um, and that meant he had a lot of work to kind of get dynastic recognition, to use the technical term. Um, and it also meant that everyone was just kind of like, ew... Um, But it also meant that he was not trained for this role in any way. He just kind of showed up like, I couldn't be a bloody king. You know, it's the exact same thing. All of the monarchs that you see normally um, have been, obviously because it's all about inheritance and it's all about getting your kid to the throne. So... Henry didn't have that training that most monarchs did because they would be born, especially if you were like the firstborn son. Um, They would be born and then they would be like specifically groomed for the role, you know? They would be like trained up. But Henry didn't have that, which meant that he had a lot of reliance on his counsellors and like people who had experience in government throughout his reign. So he kind of made like good choices but he didn't make them because he like knew about kingship he just made them because he based them off of vibes um so now that that's kind of over his like background we're gonna get into bosworth and richard the third or ricky now spoiler alert he's a possible child murderer i feel like there might be a word for child murderer i don't know because you know how there's a word for regicide is the word for killing a king so maybe there's a word for child murderer but either way the point the point still stands so he's a pretty dastardly dude um he was brother to king edward the fourth and under edward the fourth england was like eaten up to be honest everything was like really stable um and his succession was stable because he had two boys, um, two sons, uh, a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old. But guess what? He died! Drama. So Richard III, uh, King Edward IV's brother, took over as regent. Now, that meant that whilst his son, he was only 12 years old, the actual claimant to the throne, so he obviously cannot lead a country. So instead... Ricky was supposed to lead and kind of be the king but not have the title until the little kiddo was old enough to go and do it. However, Ricky was not into that, okay? Doing all the work 
without the title? No, that's what Ricky said. He said, no, I'm not doing this, gang. Um, So instead, he was like, you know what? I would be a really good king. And um, he just decided to lock his nephews up in the Tower of London, which is pretty crazy behaviour, right? Because it's supposed to be like family. You can't just lock your family in the Tower of London. And um, a lot of people um, speculate, a lot of historians have debated whether he actually killed them slash ordered them to be killed. These poor little 12-year-old and 9-year-old kids who are his nephews. And I think, like, their bones were dug up at some point. You can, like, Google that. I'm sure it's somewhere. But um, basically, there's, like, pretty good evidence now that he, like, actually did kill them. But obviously, that's still, like, debated. Um... So he got the throne by usurping it and locking some kids up. So the House of York was a little bit miffed. Um, you're probably wondering, hey, what's the House of York? I mean, you probably know. But this is, you know, let's say you are, then you haven't been paying attention in the lessons. Um, but it's time to talk about the Wars of the Roses. So there were two sides, two houses, uh, Lancaster and York. Lancaster is red and York is white and they're both represented by lovely little roses of those colours. Ricky was on the Yorkist side, Henry VII was on the Lancastrian side. So as you can see, things were a little bit diabolical for the House of Lancaster because they were relying on this random dude who's been in exile his entire life to be their main claimant. So they weren't really doing very well. However, all of the Yorkists were, like, absolutely gagged, absolutely shocked at Ricky just locking his nephews up, which, fair enough. Um, So they went to Henry VII, they went to the House of Lancaster, and they were like, I know that he's, like, on our side, but we honestly don't want him here anymore. So they decided to marry off Elizabeth of York, to Henry VII in order to unite the houses and it meant that they were getting rid of Ricky because he was a bit diabolical and it meant that their blood would still be kind of in the succession so it's not totally abandoning like it's not totally giving up to the house of Lancaster so Elizabeth of York was married off to Henry VII and it was really really good because it meant that any children they had would have blood on both sides. And it also meant that the war, the War of the Roses, which went on for yonks, you can search that up, I can't be bothered to find out how long it went on. Um, Basically, this really long war um, finally came to an end. So it was all good. And it also meant that, like, the Tudor Rose was created, which is a really cute little symbol, because you know, the red and the white rose, they come together, search it up, it's very nice, you know, very romantic. Um, And even though it was an arranged marriage, um, Lizzie and Henners actually did, like, kind of love each other, which is really nice, to be honest. Like, when she died, he was, like, actually really, really sad. So, you know, it wasn't as if it's just, like, some weird arranged marriage. Like, I think they genuinely did, like, have some love for each other, which, you know, good for you guys. But, um... Henry VII now had Yorkist support and he was ready to snatch Ricky's wig 
because you cannot not you cannot lock your nephews up in the tower that is unacceptable behavior um so henry was still in Brittany, but he took a little boat with some besties to milford haven which is somewhere along the south coast um oh it's in wales oops wow um so he traveled from Brittany to milford haven in wales and he had welsh blood there which was really good because let's say he did arrive on the south coast like i accidentally said then immediately he would just be kind of like killed because everyone would be like ew what are you doing here whereas in wales they were like oh you're from here get it we'll let you in so it also meant that he had quite a distance to travel from milford haven to bosworth which sounds like a bad idea but as he was marching along he like gained supporters so on the journey people were like oh my god no way ricky locked his nephews up in the tower you know what i want you to be king um so he grew an army and in my notes um i said that is very bts coded but we're not going to talk about that but basically um henry the seventh had some stands now and on august 22nd 1485 august 22nd 1485 the battle of bosworth took place henry finally met ricky and they were fighting and although henry had time to like raise this army and kind of like gather himself and prepare for a battle um it wasn't really going very well for poor old henners um henry's standard bearer was killed so a standard bearer is somebody who like stands there with your flag quite close to you in the battle formation and they're not really doing much they're just kind of standing there with a flag so that wasn't very good because it meant that ricky's army was really close to actually like battling henry himself and considering that he's pretty like precious to the house of lancaster and york at this point because he's agreed to marry elizabeth of york and take the throne he obviously cannot be killed so this is really really bad but plot twist plot twist incoming beep beep um william stanley who is an absolute snake by the way um was watching from the sidelines the whole time and he just had a cheeky little army up his sleeve where does caesar keep his armies up his sleeveys well so does william stanley um and he was basically watching from the side and he saw this standard bearer get cut down and he decided at the very last moment to turn the tide of the battle and to send his army in and his troops ultimately gave henry VII that push to win the battle and from that day forth henry VII was king so that is the story of how henry VII rose to take the throne and his background um i hope you liked this style of podcast because it's nice to kind of explain things in like a colloquial way and not just have it off the textbook where it's all super formal and i can come back to this and i can be like slay but um if somebody else <laughs> if somebody else is listening to this 
thank you and I hope this has helped but if it hasn't like it's absolute just tomfoolery so I wouldn't be that man if it didn't help but yeah bye